Greetings to all of you who joined today's satsang. Our topic today is a very light topic, unraveling the mysteries of life and death. You may think I am being facetious, but I say this sincerely. We will be discussing this topic as explained by our Guru Paramahansa Yoganandaji. And this is the miracle that will occur. If you follow me closely with deep attention, at the end of the satsang, you will say, life and death are no more a mystery to me. Life can be a blessing and death is nothing to be afraid of. I fully understand their nature and purpose. I think it is safe to say that before we discovered Guruji's teachings, most of us did not understand this mystery of life and death. We did not know who we truly are, where we come from and where we will go after we die. I still remember a particular day in my life when I was still a school going kid. I don't remember the date, but the memory is very vivid. All of a sudden, this thought entered my consciousness. One day, my parents are going to die. They will no longer be with me. I still remember the cold dread that clutched my heart and the nameless fear I experienced. And this was one of those experiences that eventually led me to Guruji's teachings. I wanted to know why we could not live forever, why we had to die. And many years later, when I read the life of Lord Buddha, I could relate to what happened in his life. Many of you may know the story of this great prince. He was called Siddhartha Gautam when he was born. And because of a prediction made by the royal astrologer at the time of his birth, which said that he could either grow up and become a great king or a great ascetic, his father, naturally wanting that he should become a great king, made sure, made all arrangements so that the prince Siddhartha Gautam experienced only pleasure and happiness. No sick person, no old person, dying or dead person were allowed to be around or in the presence of the prince. He was always cocooned in the luxury of palatial luxuries. After he grew up, Siddhartha Gautam got married and had a child. Then his father, feeling that now that this boy is entrenched in family life, it is very unlikely that he is going to become an ascetic, he relaxed his rules. So one day, when Siddhartha Gautam expressed his desire to go out of the palace precincts. Before that, he was not even allowed to do that. His father relented and let him go, accompanied by his trusted charioteer. And to cut a long story short, on that first journey out of the palace, he saw an, an old man, a sick man, and a dead person. And never having encountered people like that, 
he asked his charioteer, who are these people? I never saw such people around me until now. And then the charioteer explained to him that every person, every person's body has to go through these stages of sickness, old age, and eventually death. The prince was puzzled and alarmed. He asked the charioteer, do you mean to say that even my body will have to go through these changes of sickness, old age and death? And the charioteer looked at the prince sadly and said, yes, my dear prince, even your body will have to go through these changes. This experience prompted Siddhartha Gautama to give up his princely pleasures and take up a life of renunciation. And after searching and seeking the solution, the answer to the mystery of life and death for many, many years, eventually he obtained enlightenment and was called Lord Buddha. The reason I am recounting this story is to make the point that each one of us, every one of us encounters this mystery sometime or the other in our life. The thought crosses our mind, what is going to happen to me? What is going to happen to my dear ones? So we all have to face our own mortality at some point or the other. But most people just accept it and move on. They don't try to think too deeply or try to get an answer for that puzzle, for that mystery. And it is easy to understand why this is so. Because there are no easy answers. The answer is not apparent. Because life and death, they are shrouded in deep mystery. They cannot be unraveled by intellectual analysis or reasoning or by reading books. Only through direct experience can one unravel this mystery. But that takes a lot of effort and time. So people give up. But fortunately for us, our Guru Paramahansa Yoganandaji and his Guru Swami Sri Yukteswarji have given us deep insights into the meaning and purpose of life and death. Today we will be discussing what they have taught us and these insights that they give us, they are not based upon intellectual reasoning but direct perception of truth through intuition. So let us begin with what Guruji has to say about life and death. This is what he says. He says, I behold life and death like the rise and fall of waves on the sea. At birth, a wave rises from the surface and at death, it sinks into sleep in the bosom of God. I have realized this. I know I can never die. For whether I am sleeping in the ocean of spirit or awake in a physical body, I am ever with him. But what is the purpose of life if we have to eventually sink back into God? Answering this question, Guruji says, our great whirling planet, our human individuality were not given to us merely that we might exist for a time and then vanish into nothingness, but that we might question what it is all about. To live without understanding the purpose of life is foolish, a waste of time. The mystery of life surrounds us and we were given intelligence in order to solve it. So Guruji is pointing out that this is a mystery that God has placed before man. And 
it is the purpose of human life to solve this mystery. But what is it that most of us are using our life for? I found this poster in a gift shop. It was hanging on the wall of that gift shop. It said, Dear God, please grant me another life. This one was all used up by Facebook and WhatsApp. A vast majority of people think that our existence begins with the birth of the body and ends with the death of the body. And this is quite understandable because this is what we observe. We don't know anything different. However, in his book, Autobiography of Yogi, Guruji says, Many yogis are known to have retained their self-consciousness without interruption by the dramatic transition to and from life and death. So, many yogis have known. If man be solely a body, its loss indeed ends his identity. But if prophets down the millennium speak with truth, man is essentially a soul, incorporeal and omnipresent. So here Guruji is clearly telling us that our existence does not depend upon this human life, this human body and does not end with human death, the death of this human body. We as the souls are immortal and what we may not realize is that each one of us has gone through many thousands of such cycles of life and death. So, life and death are not new to us. We are veterans at this game. We have all gone through this many times. In fact, Guruji said that he remembers many of his previous incarnations. And there are several highly advanced souls who recall their previous incarnations. So, we have gone through this cycle of life and death many, many times. And some of us have gone through this so many times that we now want to get off this merry-go-round. We want to be free. We want liberation. And therein is the seed for the desire to get liberation. When the soul goes through these cycles of life and death repeatedly, eventually it realizes that this is not my home. This is not where I can find what I am looking for. And eventually it makes its way back to God. It unravels the life, the mystery of life and death. So let us understand how Guruji explains what human life is and how it is different from our true nature which is the soul. Guruji keeps reminding us that we are not the body but we are the soul. The soul is a wave in the sea of God's consciousness, of universal consciousness. It is eternal, immortal and incorporeal, meaning it doesn't have a body. So our true nature is what? We don't have a body. We are a wave of consciousness, a spark of the divine fire. At the time of birth, attracted by our own desire to have a human body, the soul enters the zygote, the 
the primal cell which is formed when the sperm unites with the ovum and along with it it brings two bodies a causal body and an astral body and this astral body is a body made of prana or life energy and it is this prana this life energy this life force that creates this body and maintains this body so explaining this relationship between the soul the ego prana and the physical body guruji writes prana is an intelligent force but has no consciousness in the empirical nor transcendental sense it is the basis of the empirical consciousness but soul is the conscious unit soul through ego dictates and prana its servant obeys prana neither grossly material nor purely spiritual borrows from the soul its power of activating the body it is the power lodged between soul and matter for the purpose of expressing the former and moving the latter so this is the link the prana life force is the link between the soul and our physical body the soul can exist without prana so we are not even the prana you are the wave of consciousness because the soul can exist without prana but the prana in the body cannot exist without a soul as its substratum so in other words there is a subtle invisible intelligent energy which is keeping all the cells of our body together and making it work like one organism <clears throat> and this prana this intelligent prana is a faculty of the soul it is not a faculty of the physical body and it is the, this prana which gives life to the body and to make us understand this better guruji gives another analogy he says prana is like electricity but with a big difference he says as there is a difference between animals and human beings so there is a difference between electricity and life force electricity produces light if you introduce it into the bulb of a lamp but electricity does not create that bulb the consciously intelligent life energy grows its own bulb so that is the basic difference this prana creates the body and also maintains it and also enlivens it makes it move and express express itself from the union of one little sperm cell and an ovum the life force that enters that primal cell at conception along with the soul grows an entire complex and harmoniously constructed body so it is the soul using the prana that builds this body the body on its own has no entity has no existence so let us pause here understand try to understand what guruji is saying he is saying that the life is because of the prana which is a faculty of the soul the the life is not inherent in the physical body this body is nothing but a collection of chemicals if this life force exits the body this body again dissolves again breaks down into its constituent elements 
So the body on its own has no reality. It is a soul which gives reality to the body. That is why we need to keep reminding ourselves, I am not the body, I am the soul. I am not the body, I am the soul. There is another delusion that we are kept alive by food and oxygen and other things essential for the human body. But Guruji says that we are actually kept alive by God's power. He says, this bodily prana is continuously reinforced not only by gross sources such as food and oxygen, but primarily by the universal prana, the cosmic energy which enters the body through the medulla. So in fact, it is not just our will, our prana which keeps us alive, it is also God's universal prana which is keeping alive every human being. Not only human being, but every living being on this planet. So in other words, this human life is a divine gift, a gift given to us by God for a specific purpose. So this question comes to our mind, what is this purpose? What is the purpose of this human life? You know, we all are very familiar with the standard pattern of life. We are born, we have a childhood, then we progress to the stage of youth, then we get married, then a family, and then old age, retirement, and eventually death. And in between we have kids and grand grandkids and so on. So there is a story as to how this came about. I would like to read this story rather than narrate it for its effect. So the story goes like this. On the first day, God created the dog and said, sit all day by the door of your house and bark at anyone who comes in or walks past. For this, I will give you a lifespan of 20 years. The dog said, that is a long time to be barking. How about only 10 years and I will give you back the other 10? So God agreed. On the second day, God created the monkey and said, entertain people, do tricks, and make them laugh. For this, I will give you a 20-year lifespan. The monkey said, monkey tricks for 20 years? That's a pretty long time to perform. How about I give you back 10 like the dog did? And God agreed. On the third day, God created the cow and said, you must go into the field with the farmer all day long and suffer under the sun, have calves and give milk to support the farmer's family. For this, I will give you a life of 60 years. The cow said, that's kind of a tough life you want me to live for 60 years. How about 20? And I will give you back the other 40? And God agreed again. On the fourth day, God created humans and said, eat, sleep, play, marry, and enjoy your life. For this, I will give you 20 years. But the human said, only 20 years? Could you possibly give me my 20? The 40 the cow gave you back, the 10 the monkey gave back, and the 10 the dog gave back. That makes 80. Is that okay? Okay, God said, you asked for it. 
So that is why for our first 20 years, we eat, sleep, play and enjoy ourselves. For the next 40 years, we slave in the sun to support our family like an ox. For the next 10 years, we do monkey tricks to entertain our grandchildren. And for the last 10 years, we sit on the front porch and bark at everyone. Life has now been explained to you. There is a quote that is attributed to Aristotle in which he says, happiness is the meaning and whole purpose of life, the whole aim and end of human existence. Aristotle got it partially right because he does not clearly define what this happiness is. We have to understand what is this happiness Aristotle is talking about. It is not the transient emotion we feel when some desire we had is fulfilled. Guruji explains that the one single purpose behind everything we do is joy. We all want to experience that special kind of joy which is ever existing and ever new. The Satchitanand, which is another name for God. That means ever existing, ever new joy and ever-conscious, ever-existing, ever-conscious, ever-new joy. But all our life, we vainly try to find and experience that joy in the outer life. And there it doesn't exist. So that is the great delusion. Guruji says that when God created man, his intention was that God will enjoy the creation without getting attached to it, and at the end of his lifespan, he will merge back into him. That is, we all should have merged back into God. But because of Maya, the cosmic delusion, we forgot our divine image. We forgot what it was that God intended. And so we got attached to this body and bodily pleasures. And it is because of this body identification that we have to keep reincarnating. So that is the only reason why we have to keep on coming back. Bodily desires, desires that can be only fulfilled by this body. And we have to keep on doing this until we once again realize our true nature as souls. And once we do that, we get liberated and merge back in God. So this is what Guruji is saying here. He says, the purpose of reincarnation is to provide opportunity for man to go on working out all his desires and expressing all that he wants to express until he realizes his true nature as a child of God and understands that reunion with God is the true object of all his seeking, the goal of all mankind. So that is the main purpose. We have to rise above our desires, rise above our physical karma and realize ourselves, our true nature as souls. There are a few souls like our gurus who are born for the upliftment of humanity. But for the most part, men are born because of unfulfilled desires and karmic compulsions. And these will keep man 
trapped in the repeated cycles of life and death until we learn to, learn to overcome this physical karma and body consciousness, bodily desires. And that is the goal of all spiritual practices. And Guruji has told us that the fastest way to rise above body consciousness, the fastest way to overcome physical desires and burn our physical karma is by practicing the science of Kriya Yoga. <clears throat> and what is this Kriya Yoga? It is the highest technique of pranayam or a meditation technique that has been given to mankind in this age. And it rapidly takes us back inside to make us realize who we truly are. And why is it so effective? Why is Kriya so effective? That is because Kriya is a technique by which the consciousness ascends by the same path that it descends. Guruji explains elsewhere that our human consciousness or the soul's consciousness descends into the body through the spine and through the nerves. So through the Kriya, what we do is we ascend again through the spine and go back the same way that we descended into this body. That is why it is such a effective method. And Kriya acts directly on the main reason why our soul is trapped in this body and that is prana. Prana is that link and also the knot which ties the soul to this body. And when we practice Kriya, we are directly working on this energy, on this prana. We pull this pranic currents from the bodily organs and take it back into the spine. And so because it acts directly on the spine, it produces immediate results. And when we are able to practice this Kriya successfully, we experience a deep joy, a deep bliss, a kind of joy which is not found in this outside world, a kind of joy that is not found in sensory pleasures. And when we experience that joy, we have something to compare with the joys given with the outside world. And we realize that the joy that we feel in meditation is far superior to what this world can give. And gradually, as we practice Kriya, our material desires get reduced and we overcome our material desires and our body consciousness. So that is why Kriya is so effective in taking us back to our cosmic home, to making us realize who we truly are, souls. And the nature of the soul is ever conscious, ever existing, ever new joy. And that is why the purpose of human life is to find that God, find that bliss, which we have been seeking for incarnations. Guruji says, the purpose of life is to find God. Under no circumstances, allow yourself to become buried in the debris of mortal habits and limitations and all the other humiliating experiences of delusion. Use your determination to wrench your will free and attain mastery over your body and the universe. In the development of your will lies the ability 
to discover the hidden image of God within you. I remember attending a class that was given by Swami Anandameji. It was a class for the monks. And in that, Swamiji asked this question, what is the purpose of life? That was very easy. Everyone said finding God. And then Swami Anandameji followed that up with another question, what else? So the monks started thinking and then giving different answers. Somebody said, uh, loving everyone like our own, serving humanity, helping others also to attain enlightenment and so on and so forth. For each answer, Swami Anandameji just shook his head saying, no, not correct. And then eventually when we all gave up, he said, nothing else. So he was trying to drive home a point. The only purpose of human life is to find God. You see, for many people, this concept is very difficult to understand and even more difficult to implement, to put it into practice. Because the world imposes its own ideas and values on us, whether we want it to or not. It is so easy to spend a whole lifetime, perhaps several lifetimes, pursuing the so-called noble pursuits like arts, sciences, serving humanity and so on. Now, don't get me wrong, these are all very praiseworthy. They are really noble, but they won't lead us to self-realization. They will not help us unravel the mystery of life and death, which is the main purpose of life. For that, Guruji said, the only answer is meditating deeply and developing an intense love for God. Only these two things, can take us back to God. To give an analogy, if a person is locked in prison, what is it he wants most? I mean, he wants to get out of the prison. Instead, what is, what is the world teaching us? How to make the prison beautiful, how to make the prison strong, how to even live longer in this prison. It's not teaching us how to escape this prison. So these are all laudable objectives, very good objectives from a worldly standpoint, but not from the soul's perspective. If you ask the soul, all it wants is freedom. All it wants is to, to ever remain in that state of Satchitananda. So you see, even though this human life, it looks very beautiful, but it is a prison house as far as the soul is concerned. For this omnipresent, omnipotent soul, even the most beautiful earthly existence is actually a prison. Imagine there is a very powerful person, very powerful person, and he's locked in a cage. He's chained to the bars of the cage, and he has been hypnotized into believing that he does not have the strength to free himself. That is the condition of the soul in the human body. And that is why the saints keep reminding us that it is our duty to free ourselves from this cage, not get attached to this cage. As human body is subject to change due to disease, old age or sickness, a time comes when it becomes unfit for the soul. 
to fulfill its desires. And that is the nature of this body, nature of this creation. Everything did, you know, keeps changing. It's a constantly changing world. So the body goes through the changes of uh, growing up into an adult, then old age and eventually death. When that stage is reached, when the body is no longer fit for the soul, the soul exits it along with two of its subtle bodies, the causal body and the astral body, the pranic body. And when that happens, when the soul exits the body, the body experiences physical death. The moment we hear the word death, we become serious, as if, it, as if some tragedy has occurred. But if death is a release from a prison, then is it a tragedy? I think maybe it is high time we used a more accurate word for it, like maybe uh, parole or vacation or um, release. Then maybe when we use that word, uh, we won't become so serious and grim whenever we use the word death or whatever the word we use in that place. So you see, ordinarily people are happy when a person is born and they weep when a person dies. But a soul does the opposite. It weeps when it reincarnates and it is happy when it is released. Only we are not aware of that. Mark Twain, that great American writer, author, he had a great sense of humor. And he said once, why is it that we rejoice at birth and grieve at a funeral? It is because we are not the person involved. So apparently he had a deep insight into the mysteries of life and death. At another time he said, pity is for the living, envy is for the dead. So we need not pity the dead, rather they may be pitying us. We have to understand this nature, what is this nature of death? If you look at a dead body, it doesn't look any different from a body that is alive, except that the heart is no longer pumping, the person is no, the body is no longer breathing, everything else inside is exactly the same, but something is missing and that something is the soul. So Guruji tells us that at, at the time of death, all that happens is the soul exits this physical frame along with, with the causal body and the astral body. And once that soul is not there and the, that life energy is not there, then this body, which is actually a collection of chemicals, in the lack of that energy which was keeping all these cells together, it disintegrates and that is physical death. So what we need to remember is as souls, we don't die at the death of the body. We only change our residence, you know, from, the, from this physical plane to another dimension, the astral plane. This body is only a temporary residence for the soul, like a, like a wayside mortal where it has been living for a few years and then moves on. But even though intellectually we may understand this, each one of us has a natural fear of death. And there is a reason for that. And this, this is experienced not only by us mere mortals, but even by the greatest of saints. Guruji writes, Patanjali, 
Patanjali was the author of the treatise of Yoga Sutras on Raj Yoga. Patanjali points out that even great saints feel attachment to the body on the last day and are loath to leave it. My guru, Swami Shrikteshwarji, explained that the hesitancy to leave the body at death is comparable to the experience of a long caged bird that fears to soar out that fears to soar out of its prison into the skyey vastness. So, we all know that if a bird that has been caged for many years, for a long time, even if you open the door of the cage, it hesitates to fly out because it doesn't know what is going to happen to it in that vast unknown. Similarly, it is a fear of the unknown, which is the main reason for the fear of death. So, it is okay to fear death, but when we are able to understand and assimilate Guruji's teachings, we realize that we can be brave enough to face it. So let us understand why is it that we fear death. One, it is hardwired into our nervous system. It is the survival instinct. It has been given so that we take care of this body. If we did not have the fear of death, we would be putting this body in harm's way every day. So it is hardwired into our system. So that is why it is natural to have that, that feeling of fear. And also because of ignorance, part of the reason is we do not know what is going to happen. Do I just go into oblivion? Do I no longer exist? Or if I exist, then what is, what is going to happen to me? So that is another reason why we fear death. And also because of attachment. We are attached to this body, we are attached to our positions, our family, and we have to let go. At the time of death, nothing comes with us. We come alone, we go alone, and we are not used to this. We have been used to living in a family, in a community. So again, that attachment is what causes that pain, which is an emotional pain, a psychological pain at the time of death. Explaining the nature of death, Guruji says this. He says, death is the complete switching off of prana, life force, from a particular body bulb. It is a state of passive involuntary relaxation brought on by disease, accident or sorrow. The forcible, sudden and permanent disconnection of the life current from the body bulb, which many persons suppose to be the extinction of life, is in reality only a temporary state. So death is not a permanent state, it is a temporary state. It is not the end of things, but a transfer from physical experience in the gross domain of changeable matter to purer joys in the astral realm of multicolored lights. So I repeat that. It is a transfer from physical experiences in the gross domain of change, changeable matter to purer joys in the astral realm of multicolored lights. When put like that, death doesn't seem that bad at all, does it? I mean, who doesn't want to be in a realm of multicolored lights of purer joys? We all want that. Again elsewhere, Guruji says, death gives soul actors new robes in which to enact new dramas on the stage of life. 
in the words of Lord Krishna, and this is from the Srimad Bhagavad Gita, just as an individual forsaking dilapidated raiment dons new clothes, so the body encased soul, relinquishing decayed bodily habitations, enters others that are new. It is as simple as that. When one dress gets old, gets torn, becomes unusable, we throw it and put on a new dress. So also the, the soul does with the body. When the body becomes old, broken, unusable, it discards it and puts on a new body. So that is the nature of death. We have to remember that. So death, in fact, is a renewal. It is not extinction. It is a renewal. Now, it is natural to fear our own death. But sometimes we fear even more the death of our dear ones, our family members. And when a dear one dies, sometimes we become inconsolable. Even Guruji was heartbroken when his mother died. Of course, we have to remember that at that time, Guruji was only eight years old. And he describes his experience of that event. He says, I collapsed into an almost lifeless state. Years passed before any reconciliation entered my heart. So he was grieving for his mother for many years. Storming the very gates of heaven, my cries at last summoned the Divine Mother. But Guruji used that grief in a positive way. He kept appealing to the Divine Mother, please explain, why did you take away my earthly mother? And eventually, he received an answer from Divine Mother, which satisfied his head and heart. At last, he could understand why his mother was taken away from him. And from his own experiences, Guruji is now giving us this counsel how to handle the death of our loved ones. He says, why do we cry when our dear ones die? Because we sorrow for our own loss. Very interesting. We should remember that. If our, if our loved ones leave us for training in better schools of life, we should rejoice instead of being selfishly sad. For we may keep them earthbound and hamper their progress by broadcasting our own selfish wills. So excessive grieving actually hampers the transition of the soul from this plane to the next. So we are actually doing a disservice to the soul. Guruji continues, he says, the Lord is ever new and by his infinite magic wand, renewing death, he, he keeps each created object, each living being ever manifesting, ever remodeling into a fitter vehicle for his inexhaustible expressions. So, as I said, death is a renewal. He calls it renewing death. Death comes to dutiful men as a promotion to a higher state. It comes to failures to give them another chance in a different environment. So, understood like that, death is a blessing for everyone, those who are successful and those who are failures. So, death is not a curse, 
इट इज अ ब्लेसिंग गुरु जी डज नॉट ओनली जस्ट गिव एन इंटेलेक्चुअल अंडरस्टैंडिंग ऑफ डेथ बट ऑल्सो गिव्स अस अ प्रैक्टिकल मेथड ऑफ हाउ टू डील when we are grieving for our departed ones so this is what he taught us he says if we are if you want to send our love and our uh, um, goodwill to those who are departed we can do that he says after we at the end of meditation we should continue sitting silently peacefully and then we visualize that person at our christ center at our kutastha whoever we want to send our love that we visualize that departed soul as we knew him during his physical existence we bring that image of that person at the kutastha and then we send him our heart's love our heart's feeling of love and joy and and tell him that please receive my love i will love you always and this and guruji says if we keep at it if we keep on praying like this visualizing and sending our thoughts of love our thought and, and our thoughts of goodwill to that departed soul continuously then that thought those thought vibrations reach that departed soul and he feels that he experiences that as an upliftment in his consciousness as an upliftment in his experience of joy Guruji says such thoughts give your loved ones a sense of well-being a sense of being loved they have not forgotten you any more than you have forgotten them so try that Guruji also tells us that death is not only a release for the soul from the body but it is also a great teacher it teaches us many lessons one lesson it teaches us is that this world does not belong to us we are just travelers passing through this caravanserai of human life lahari mahashaya says this remember that you belong to no one and that no one belongs to you reflect that some day you will suddenly have to leave everything in this world so make the acquaintance of god now prepare yourself for the coming astral journey of death by riding daily in a balloon of divine perception through delusion you are perceiving yourself as a bundle of flesh and bones which at best is a nest of troubles meditate unceasingly that you quickly behold yourself as the infinite essence free from every form of misery cease being a prisoner of the body using the secret key of kriya learn to escape into spirit i think this captures all that we have been discussing for the last half an hour or so guru Guruji says that death also teaches one more thing. It teaches us not to limit our love only to our family members, only to our dear ones, but to expand that love to include everyone, to embrace the entire humanity. 
and not only humanity but everything and he expresses that thought beautifully in this passage he says you must love the world as you love your nation and your family i tried to love the whole world but it was not easy as soon as i looked at my family my love lost itself there but one by one many of those dearest to me died i thought that nature was very cruel then i began to realize that my love was undergoing discipline that i was to expand my love not limited to my family god showed me that it was he whom i loved in my loved ones then from within my love began to expand to all i could no longer feel partiality towards family so through death when our dear ones are taken away from us god is telling us don't limit your love to your loved ones love everyone he is saying try to recognize me in everyone and love me in every person so that is what we need to learn from that now one thing we have to remember that though guruji has again and again said that this body is a prison and death is a release from from this bodily prison never did he encourage committing suicide to expect uh, to escape the trials of life this human life even though there are so many trials it is a great gift because in one human life man can make tremendous spiritual progress and even get fully liberated so each human life provides the soul an opportunity to attain final liberation and when we discard this gift untimely then we are breaking a karmic law and it has karmic consequences in future lives so we need to remember that so what is the attitude we should have towards life and death the right attitude is we strive our best to live in the conscious presence of god through meditation and god reminding activities so while we are living we remain in the conscious presence of god and when death comes we accept it as a well deserved rest after a lifetime of activity so that is the attitude we should cultivate we should gradually develop towards life and death life is a blessing and death is a release and guruji captured this wisdom so beautifully in his chant oh life is oh life is sweet and death a dream when thy song flows through me so what is god's song it is his joy it is his loving presence when in meditation we feel that loving presence flowing through us flowing through our consciousness then life and joy life and death both are joyous experiences of the same consciousness it is one continuous consciousness but this attitude cannot be cultivated or developed overnight it takes several years of right effort in the form of meditation right living right thinking service and love but sometimes 
it can happen fairly soon too by God's grace and Guruji's grace. If our karma is good. Now I would like to share the story of one SRF devotee whose life was thus transformed by Guruji's teachings. This story was shared with me by Swami Bhumanandji. Years ago, when Swami Bhumanandji was serving in a temple, he saw a man who used to come to the temple uh, regularly, uh, but he, his own assessment was that this man was more intellectually oriented and not fully in tune with Guruji's teachings. But then he was diagnosed with terminal cancer and was given six months to live. And Bhumananji says that he got the opportunity to meet this person just a few weeks before he passed away. And he was amazed at the transformation in that man. His face was radiant. He was full of joy. And Swami Bhumananji says he was one of the most grateful persons he ever met. He was grateful for everything for Guruji, for Guruji's teachings, for his friends, his family, everything that was happening, full of gratitude. And, but, but that was not how he was before. He shared, he told Bhumanandji that before he came onto the Guruji's path, he would criticize everything. So much so that when he would go out on a drive with his friend, he would even criticize the trees. But after coming onto the path, he became such a grateful person. And when he passed, after a few weeks, Bhumanandji heard this from those who were around him. There was a great vibration of peace and bliss when he passed away. So much so that even the nurse who was treating him, she continued. To, to stay in that room, to experience that special vibration. It was so powerful. So, Guruji's teachings can bring about this transformation even in a small period of time. What happens after we die? We all want to know that. And no one has explained that better than Guruji did in his book, Autobiography of Yogi, in the chapter where he describes the resurrection of his guru, Swami Sri Yukteswarji, who appeared before him a few months after he passed away. He wanted to console his disciple and also reveal the deepest secrets of the life after death to his disciple and asked his disciple, Pramasi Yoganandaji, to share that with the entire world. I encourage all of you to read the chapter, especially when you have any fear or anxiety about death. And you will see that once you read that, your fear will just vanish. So it is a very beautiful chapter. And what Yukteswarji tells in that, uh, tells his disciple during that meeting is that after our body dies, the soul exits the body along with its two bodies, the causal body, which is an ideational body, and an astral body, which is a pranic body or a body made of life energy. And it moves to another dimension, which is the astral world. 
and this astral world is a world which is much more harmonious much more beautiful and there the the soul lives for many years but eventually when it is pulled back by its material desires and karmic compulsions the soul again comes back to earth with a new body and these cycles of birth and death continue as long as the physical karma and desires remain when a soul eventually through the grace of guru and god overcomes all physical karma and all human desires then it permanently remains in the astral world and does not have to reincarnate on the physical plane and as i said this astral world is much more perfect harmonious and beautiful and in that astral world the soul meets all its relatives in all its previous incarnations and realizes that its love for all the souls was actually its love for god that was god who was loving it through all these souls and thus it understands the true nature of creation and and the relationship between god and all the souls now just like we have physical karma which needs to be overcome before we get liberated from this physical plane so the soul also has astral karma and causal karma which need to be overcome until before it can be uh, achieve final liberation so this is in short what yukteswar ji told guru ji in that chapter so we have covered a lot of ground today we have learned that we are actually the immortal incorporeal omnipresent souls and we never die only the physical body dies we have been given a human body so that we can fulfill the purpose of human life which is realizing our true nature as the soul and eventually escaping from this bodily prison once we understand that we will no longer fear death we realize that death is a release from this prison and god is giving us a well deserved rest after a lifetime of activity so in the few minutes that are left let us briefly practice this affirmation which captures the essence of all all that we discussed today the words of this affirmation are through thy grace i know that health and sickness life and death are but dreams when i finish my dream story of good dreams and awaken behind the world painted screen of delusion i shall behold thee as the one reality so we'll repeat this a few times and have a couple of minutes of silent chanting of this affirmation so we'll first do loud chanting then whisper chanting and then mental chanting so i will repeat the i will say the words and you please repeat after me close your eyes keep your spine straight relax your body focus at the kutastha at the christ center and repeat after me through thy grace i know 
that health and sickness, life and death are but dreams. When I finish my dream story of good dreams and awaken behind the world painted screen of delusion, I shall behold thee as the one reality. Through thy grace, I know that health and sickness, life and death are but dreams. When I finish my dream story of good dreams and awaken behind the world painted screen of delusion, I shall behold thee as the one reality. Through thy grace, I know that health and sickness, life and death are but dreams. When I finish my dream story of good dreams and awaken behind the world painted screen of delusion, I shall behold thee as the one reality. Through thy grace, I know that health and sickness, life and death are but dreams. When I finish my dream story of good dreams and awaken behind the world painted screen of delusion, I shall behold thee as the one reality. Through thy grace, I know that health and sickness life and death are but dreams. When I finish my dream story of good dreams and awaken behind the world painted screen of delusion, I shall behold thee as the one reality. Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti.